Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Well, 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 good morning to you, baseball people. As Bruce likes to say, 52 weeks a year, baseball conversation. And right now, the Saturday before Thanksgiving, hot and heavy with baseball rumors and big-time local Cubs news. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? Good morning, Matt. And, and there's a rumor our show is only on from 9 till 10.30 today, normally 9 to 11 every Saturday. Matt and I talk Chicago baseball, national baseball with you no different today. We can be con- contacted at 312-644-6767, which is also our text line. Great conversation about the White Sox Cubs. Also, guests include Jason Stark from The Athletic and A.J. Pruszynski from Fox. And, of course, one of your great former Chicago White Sox players to join us as well. So where would you like to begin today, Matt? Well, um, let's be angry at college football for taking 30 minutes from us uh, very briefly. That feels okay. good and feels justified. And now that we've moved on from that, well, you know, it, it's um, it, we've had weeks and weeks of White Sox news and that stuff to, di- to discuss and dissect. But this week, Theo Epstein leaves. Yesterday, his last day. And I think there are a lot of people out there who have talked and, and gotten in and written about the Theo run um, but where are the Cubs right now, Bruce? Because there are Chris Bryant rumors out there. Jed Hoyer is in charge today. This is day one of the Jed Hoyer regime. So, so what is the state of things as Theo Epstein has left them behind in your mind? Yeah, I think it's, it's really fascinating, Matt. The idea that uh, the Cubs won another division, that they were tremendously successful from uh, 2015 uh, through this season here. 
you know, averaging, uh, you know, a higher amount of wins than anybody but the Dodgers in baseball. Yet, um, where do they stand um, going into 2021? You are losing three-fifths of your rotation that you started with in March in Mesa, in Chatwood, Lester, and Quintana. You have lost uh, your top relief pitcher in Jeremy Jeffress, uh, leaving you with one more year of control of Craig Kimbrell. You have your four top offensive players all going into their walk season in 2021 with no signing of any of them to long-term deals at this point. So is this an organization in flux? Is it an organization that can still win uh, in 2021? Or is it one that uh, needs to try to compete and rebuild at the same time, which, as we know, is the most difficult thing to do in sports uh, especially in Major League Baseball. There was a moment maybe three years ago, Bruce, when I was expecting them to try and maximize the window um, and try and win as much as possible through 2021. And then Theo would leave at the end along with some of the players and they would all walk off and the team might fall off the table competitively. That became It became very obvious that that's not what ownership wants at all. So... The goal then became, all right, how can we thread the needle on a trade uh, for one or two of our core pieces where we get younger, we get cheaper, but we stay competitive. We stay good um, through some, some wise maneuvers. And they kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and they haven't done it. And here we are, and it's go time for those kind of deals. I just... It, it, they've backed themselves into a spot now where they've got to make maybe two of those kind of trades, those needle threading kind of trades to stay competitive while they, while, while they get leaner. And that's incredibly difficult to do even yeah. when everybody in the league doesn't know that's what you're trying to do. So very, and in this particular climate of this off season with the industry in flux and, and all the money and, and troubles and Bryant coming off a bad year and Baez coming off a bad year, albeit a short one. It's a, it's a very difficult place to be, but I think that's still the goal from my perspective. On Monday, uh, the Cubs will announce an extension to their new president, Jed Hoyer. And at that time, after every, all the accolades, which you know he deserves for being a part of this uh, success here over the last nine years, the number one question to me, Matt, will be, who are the t- 2021 Chicago Cubs? In other words, what we have just talked about, uh, a team in transition, a team uh, that needs to sign a couple of their Bigfoot free agents uh, pending after 2021, or a team that uh, needs to go through a rebuild, even though it's a uh, big market team with a new television um, you know, station that is selling their product and promoting their product? Or uh, can you actually compete, stay competitive, and rebuild at the same time? I know very few teams that have been successful in doing that. The New York Yankees over the last uh, four or five years come to mind as a team that stayed competitive, stayed successful, uh, but still dumped out of top players, brought in top young players like the trade with the Chicago Cubs for Chapman for Torres, and then uh, kept right on competing all the way through. 
very difficult to do unless you already have those players in place in your minor league system that can help fortify that move forward, as well as the players that you pick up for trading some of your top players that are going to be free agents. So I, I want to know who the Chicago Cubs are in 2021. What will we be watching? Yeah, it's, it's, it, that, that's the question. The Yankees have been able to do it, but as you know, um, and as you alluded to, they've had incredible young assets that they have either developed or traded for. Luke Voigt made $630,000 last year. Glaber Torres, this year I should say. Glaber Torres made 675000 Gary Sanchez made five mil for a catcher of his stature. That's not a lot. Aaron Judge made 8.5. When you have those kind of people on the uh, on the payroll at those kind of numbers, um, you can find yourself affording some of the some of the bigger ones, and and you can you can make it work. The Cubs' failure to draft and or develop and or stockpile young talent really puts them in an untenable situation here. Would I, I think people want to know, Bruce, how much of the goal for the organization is financial and, and, and how much of the goal is an honest belief that the mix as they have it right now is not good enough because there's viability in that conversation in terms of the offensive mix, as Theo alluded to on the way out, as we've talked about. That lineup has failed at huge, huge moments going on three years, especially the last two in September and uh, and in the playoffs, those 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 core hitters have not gotten it done. So, how, what percentage of the motivation is competitive and what is financial? Yeah, and those are the great questions that have to be answered, Matt. You're right. I mean, that, but uh, we won't know those uh, financial questions being answered when we understand that seventy uh, percent of the revenues that the Chicago Cubs take in come in from game day operations. That, that's a huge number. You're talking about a, a team that grosses somewhere between five and uh, 600, uh, five or 600 million a year. Um, you know, you do the math and you understand that uh, Mr. Ricketts, the Ricketts family, uh, Crane Kenny and Jed Hoyer really have to roll up their sleeves. Now, that said, uh, they have let go somewhere between 80 and 100 employees. They're not the only team in baseball that have let go of a lot of employees due to COVID and the lack of uh, knowledge of revenue streams. And now the wild card, of course, is now that Wrigley Field has uh, a national designation as a landmark. And that could mean uh, X amount of millions of dollars a year in tax credits that could be switched around and put back into the team as the Ricketts family has done from the very beginning for payroll and other needs that they have to continue to rebuild their farm system. So um, there are tremendous amount of, var of variables involved, but it is a moving target that you have to keep kind of watch on a daily basis. Uh, the first step will be for Major League Baseball on December 2nd when you have to tender contracts to all your players. And the consensus is out there that somewhere between 75 and 100 players will be let go and not offered major league contracts by December 2nd, Matt, because of the fact that uh, the unknown revenues out there and some players, big surprises. I mean, you hear, you hear crazy conversation about teams like the Cubs not tendering 
non-tendering a guy like Chris Bryant because of the fact that he's going to make close to $20 million a year. Now, that, that kind of borders on absurd, but yet you will see some high-paid players who uh, are going into the last years of their contracts that will be non-tendered on December 2nd. Well, let's talk about some of those people. I mentioned Gary Sanchez. That's a number It should be around 5.5 mil. Um, that's the uh, from MLB Trade Rumors. These are the sa- the arbitration salary projections. Bruce, um, Eddie Rosario of the Twins at 9.6 mil. God, I think he's a terrific all-around player. Didn't have a great year, but that's there. And then... The, the one that I see mentioned the most for the Cubs is Kyle Schwarber. It, what, what would be the atmosphere that creates a non-tender for Kyle Schwarber at 7.9 mil? Would that be after having explored every imaginable trade scenario and feeling like nobody wants to pay him that much in this market? Is there, is there any chance that that, that that is something the Cubs have to face and consider? I say zero. Uh, okay. Here's a guy that had 38 home runs in 2019. Uh, finally came uh, up and you know drove in, uh, I believe, 92 or 93 runs, leading the team in a home run and RBI. So a left-handed power bat? No, uh, there's, that's an impossibility. Uh, so is Bryant. I mean, they're, they're not going to non-tender Chris Bryant. But just that there's conversation about players of this ilk, Mm-hmm. Uh, being involved in economic uh, realities right now because of COVID and because of the lack of knowledge of revenue stream for major league teams going into 2021. That, that's crazy enough that we're even talking about it, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, just, it is. I mean, I mean, there's some legitimacy to teams doing it. For instance, let's go to the south side of Chicago and look at two real situations that I think will be non-tenders. And one is Carlos Rodan. And the um, other is Nomar Mazzara. Uh, you know, Mazzara came in a trade from Texas. Um, a young guy, still at 26, that had uh, shown potential, thought he was going to be a star player, a 25 and 90 to 100 RBI guy. Uh, didn't, didn't do that in Texas, was traded. And now, coming off of an awful year with the Chicago White Sox, uh, albeit a 60-game uh, season, uh, he is looking like a non-tender. Carlos Rodan, who was a number four pick in the draft um, seven years ago, is a left-handed pitcher with tremendous potential and a guy that we've seen pitch great from time to time, but has been injured every year since 2015. He is looking like a non-tender candidate hmm. for the Chicago White Sox on December 2nd. So these are uh, these are some of the things that we see in our town, we see all over the place the fact that uh, under normal situations, we wouldn't see these guys being non-tendered. But now, when with four and a half million, I, th- I think, or five million going to both Rodan yep. and uh, Mazzara in um, uh, arbitration, uh, those guys are looking like non-tenders. Yeah, Mazzara would be about 5.7 mil, a projection. Uh, Carlos Rodon, 4.5. Real quick before we break, two guys in town in the under 2 million category. Kyle Ryan at 1.2 mil, the lefty reliever for the Cubs. Reynaldo Lopez at 1.7 mil or thereabouts. These are projections uh, for the White Sox. Would you expect yeah. both of them to be to be tendered at that low dollar? 
Yeah, I, Lopez has too much potential still to, to let go of that, of that amount of money. Ryan uh, happens to be the only uh, real left-hander that the Chicago Cubs have at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether they want to make that move right now, you kind of put yourself in that. That's really not a lot of money, depending on how much players actually get paid, how many games are actually played this year, you know, what the percentage will be like, like in 2020. So I would, I would expect Ryan, even though coming off of a bad year, to most likely be tendered, but not for sure. And with um, uh, your, your other player was? Uh, uh, you got it, Ryan and, and Lopez. Yeah, Lopez. Yeah. No, I yeah, mean, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Ryan could be. I mean, you know, again, it's, it's a million and two, I believe you said, saved. Uh, yeah. But, you know, other than Brad Weck, uh, I, I don't know any lefties uh, that they can really count on going into 2021 right now. A tremendous amount of variables and unknowns in a crazy, crazy offseason. It's a very newsy kind of uh, morning on Inside the Clubhouse. Jason Stark from The Athletic going to join us at about 940. And as Bruce mentioned, A.J. Pruszynski, top of the hour. And we come back, hear Theo Epstein tell our Danny Parkins why he might want to be an owner. Let's talk about that next on Inside the Clubhouse here on The Score. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex (laughs) heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse. He is Bruce Levine. Uh, I am Matt Spiegel. Um, Theo talked a lot this week. Big, long press conference. Wrote a letter that uh, The Athletic acquired and published in full. Um, I, I know you wrote about him this week on The Score's website, Bruce. Uh, I, I, I did as well. Couldn't help myself. I don't, I don't write... Uh, as often as you, of course, you write every day, I think. Um, but I, I, I had to just because it's a remarkable run. It's a remarkable run that finishes, and there was a lot of, lot of elegance to it, including the way he went out. Um, it, did, it has left quite a mess, which uh, we've, <laughs> we've discussed. Um, <laughs> elegance but, and mess all in the same sentence. It's, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It, I, I, it, that's the realities of it, isn't it? Because there was... He's just so well-spoken and so thoughtful about everything um, that you can't deny that part and and need to appreciate that part on its way out. I think that did permeate through the whole organization, that that the confidence and the eloquence of his whole run during the time that he was here, I think, did permeate the whole organization. Yeah, I mean, the culture changed dramatically, okay? So, you know, as, you know, the overused, uh, you know, statement about lovable loser... Uh, you know, the Cubs were pretty far away from the lovable loser uh, idea. But a consistent winner, uh, th- that's that's what uh, Epstein and Hoyer brought. Uh, a consistent belief that not only should be, they be in the playoffs, but they should win every year. That is what Epstein and Hoyer and the group brought, which is remarkably great. Okay, that that you can never take away from them. Winning that World Series, setting the bar higher. And not accepting less, I think, is something that uh, I will admire and think about most when I think about Epstein and Hoyer and this group. Nonetheless, where uh, Epstein is exiting and where the Cubs are at right now, as you called it yourself, a mess. um, Don't know if it's all the way at mess, but it's certainly in flux (laughs) at this point in time because you're, you're talking about a minor league system that has some, you know, some really good-looking young players coming, two or three at least, <clears throat> excuse me, that they can identify. But the system as, uh, as a whole, in pitching in particular, uh, being developed, has failed miserably, okay? No significant starting or relief pitcher in nine years developed that is making a contribution. Uh, now, you might look at Dylan Cease, um, uh, uh, Gadley uh, pitched well for Arizona, won 15 uh, games three years ago. But uh, as far as power arms development of people uh, that can make a difference in the organization, um, 
other than Cease going down the line for the White Sox, it's really hard to identify. And, and that that is disappointing to them. It's disappointing to uh, it's disappointing to us, and it's disappointing to Cub Nation that you uh, go that long without developing any pitching. Absolutely, and 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 position players. It's awfully scarce on position players too. I, I mean, when you look at the way it ended in Boston for Theo. The Red Sox system was left with a lot of viable young pieces when Theo and Jason mm-hmm. McLeod, um, when Theo was gone and then Jason McLeod and he and, and Jed all, all reunited here. But that Red Sox team that he left, that system that he left, their last draft alone was Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley Jr. And they signed Xander Bogarts as an international free agent, uh, Christian Vasquez, Travis Shaw, and some of those Final final uh, drafts. Uh, Blake Swihart, just a bunch of usable guys, let alone some incredible stars that you got the advantage of. Jason McLeod and Theo uh, failed to draft and develop anybody of, of, of true consequence other than Ian Happ. Um, you know, since since the Schwarber draft, there really haven't been a lot of pieces and and. To, the, to his credit, they took last offseason and focused and brought in Josh Kantrovitz and brought in a director of hitting and a director of pitching, and they're changing what they did. But I think they let it go too long with, uh, with too many failings. Yeah, it, it's, uh, the question is still out about what type of player Horner is going to be, but uh, you know, that, that could be a good pick as well. Uh, the, the reality is, is that uh, you will hear from baseball people say the Cubs were so good from 2015 – through um, last year that they always drafted, at least in the first round, very low, you know, because of the fact that they were up there in the standings and winning 94, 95 games a year. So that was a greater challenge. But I think that, you know, if, if you put if you put Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez on the Chicago Cubs right now, you would have a much different look. Yeah. Uh, going that way, you would see not only would it look different, but the strength of the, the situation dealing with the free agents would be much stronger for the uh, organization when they sit down to talk about whether there'll be long term deals for any of the, the core four that we're talking about leaving after 2021 because of free agency. So, uh, you know, did they was Quintana a good pitcher for them? Did he keep them viable? Do you always uh, develop players to trade them as well to stay viable and in contention for playoffs? Absolutely. I mean, that is part of what Theo Epstein explained on this on October 24, 2011, when he talked about the, mapping out what he expected from the Chicago Cubs over the next 10 years. And uh, to his credit, almost everything that he envisioned came to fruition except for being able to develop pitching in the organization. Yeah, I think that Quintana trade is going to go down as as one of the big the big missteps because if they had either kept those guys or if they had used that capital for Justin Verlander instead, you're either looking at uh, an easier transition now, as you mentioned, or maybe another title or, or, or two with Verlander um, at the top of that division. Then you don't have to spend the money on Darvish and who the hell knows what else they would do. But yeah. that's uh, we're, we're in fantasy yeah. land there. Should have, could have. But, you know, I, I think it, they're fair points. Yeah. Um, before we before we take a break and talk to Jason Stark, let's hear uh, Theo talked during his press conference, Bruce, about the the opportunity for civic good 
that a baseball owner can do and why that might be attractive to him. That's the son of a social worker and a guy who's been very active, um, obviously, for his, his whole life and, and with causes. Um, and and he, Danny Parkins and Will Purdue talked to him this week and followed up on that. What is the opportunity for civic good that a baseball owner can do from Theo Epstein's perspective? I think baseball owners um, particularly can be forces for great civic good because you play so many games and, you know, the, the best ballparks are downtown ballparks. Um, and an important part of, you know, the economy of a city, of the fabric of a city, the, so, the social life and rhythms of, of, of a city. And, and, and in baseball, you know, there's, there's, there's no excuse not to, not to appeal to um, every crevice of, of, of the city, every, every socioeconomic group, every, every you know, the, the full scale of diversity across the city. Like every, every, every single citizen should, should connect with the team in some form or another. And your, your fan base should be representative. Everyone should feel welcomed in the ballpark. Everyone should feel like they're being invested in and have an opportunity to invest in the team emotionally. It's Theo Epstein talking about um, the opportunities for ownership. A lot of there's a lot of games, a lot of broadcasts, a lot of uh, power in, uh, in in a baseball system. Bruce, do you think that's uh, do you think that's going to be part of what his third chapter in baseball will eventually be? I think so. I mean, you know, I don't think it's necessarily just a, um, a situation with money. I think Epstein's probably made seventy five million or more dollars during his great baseball career. So I don't think it's about money. I think it's about having the ability to have equity in a ball team and to have say so as to what direction the organization goes other than just the baseball department. And when we talk to our next guest, Jason Stark of The Athletic, I think we'll pick it up right there, Matt, as to whether or not there's a fit for Theo Epstein with the Philadelphia Phillies or the New York Mets in 2021. Let's do that. We'll take a break on Inside the Clubhouse. A.J. Przinsky, top of the hour. But Jason Stark is next with me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Bruce Levine. This segment on The Score is brought to you by the Salvation Army. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's Inside the Clubhouse on a Saturday morning. I am Matt Spiegel, and your Bruce Levine is the man right here on 670 The Score. And Bruce, our next guest joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford is in Melrose Park. A Hall of Fame writer, a guy that has been around forever, yet he's still only 40 years old, which is amazing. Our friend uh, Jason Stark from The Athletic also does a great podcast with our friend Doug Glanville called Starkville every week. Uh, doing a podcast, joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Jason. Bruce, Matt, uh, how are you guys? Good. We are doing terrific. We might as well just jump right into it with you. <laughs> what will be the odds? What are what are the uh, odds of Theo Epstein stepping away from the presidency of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs right into the main job with the Philadelphia Phillies or possibly New York Mets? Um, I do want to, you want me to do this like it's a horse race? <laughs> I'm going to say. Theo in the home one. stretch. Yeah, in the you home can stretch. give us the odds and also what a trifecta would pay. <laughs> who's, in, who's in the trifecta? Like it, it's like 75 to 1. For, for me, I think I'm probably being uh, optimistic. 
I honestly think that when Theo gets back into baseball, uh, he wants to buy a team with Eddie Vedder. That's, that's really what I think. <laughs> and they'll have the best walk-up music in baseball. Uh, I, I, I just don't see him doing exactly the same thing again for the third time after leaving the Cubs. Um, I, I just don't see that. I, and I, I also I don't see any connection with him in Philadelphia other than John Milton, I'm sure, has already made the call. Um, he's the controlling owner of that team. And it was exactly what he's looking for, what the Phillies are looking for. But, I, 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 again, I honestly think that Theo wants a piece of a team, a, a large piece ideally, and I don't see how that happens in Philadelphia. You know, um, Peter Gammons has brought that up uh, before, Jason, owning a team with Eddie Vedder and perhaps with Sam Kennedy, his uh, right. childhood friend and friend in his 20s. Um, Red Sox going anywhere? John, John Henry uh, interested? I mean, the, you know, Steve Cohen just got in with the Mets. I don't know. There's not a lot of teams out there. And if, if Theo's interested, he's going to aim really, really high in that regard. Yeah, really high. I, like, I do not think Theo is looking to own the Tigers, you know, something like that. I, I think he wants a high-profile franchise, um, a, pri- a high-profile place, in American sports, and the, the chance to do something memorable. Um, I, I had not heard a word about the Red Sox being available. Don't see it. Um, you know, if anything, like, aren't they? You know, they have this multifaceted corporation that doesn't just own the Red Sox. Fenway Sports Group, you know, is dabbles in European soccer, and that whole conglomerate is not going to be for sale. Not. Jason Stark of The Athletic uh, joining us for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. Jason, when you look at uh, the other side of town in the Chicago White Sox, what, were your, what, what was your takeaway from the La Russa hiring? What is your takeaway from looking at the Chicago White Sox as a future um, organization that might dominate for five or six years in Major League Baseball? Well, Bruce, I'm excited about the team and the talent level of the team, but but let, let's talk about Tony. Uh, this can't be a simple answer because it's a complicated situation, and I'm troubled by it. I'm also intrigued by it. And, I, you know, like you, I've known Tony a long time. I've watched him manage a long time. He was brilliant in his day. He was way out ahead of everyone in his profession, um, not just in seeking out great information, but making sure his players understood that information. Uh, He also managed those teams in Oakland 30 years ago that were made up of the biggest personalities in the sport. And he let guys like Ricky and Jose Canseco and Dennis Eckersley show their personalities. But that doesn't mean he's the right fit for the White Sox in 2021 and this set of personalities. Uh, And I, I think the Cardinals would tell you that Tony could also be judgmental. He could be controlling. And that didn't agree with everybody in the room. Um, there's more, though. Tony also comes from an era in which the manager's clubhouse and the dugout, they, they were his kingdom. And the game is so much more collaborative now. Uh, you know, again, I think if you got the Cardinals front office into a secure room, they would probably say that Tony wasn't always on the same page that they were. And 
he could be extremely territorial. It was a source of tension there. And then the final thing is the DUI in Arizona. And I'm the first to say everyone deserves a second chance, but Tony already has had that chance. And there's a possibility, you guys know this, that he could serve jail time over this. Um, the fact that the White Sox knew this and hired him anyway and didn't say a word about it, that's a little confusing to me, and it's troubling. So when you ask me what I think about this hiring, I think all that stuff. You know, Jason, you think he's competent. I'm sorry, uh, Matt. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do, do, yeah. Do you, you feel he's still competent to run a major league team? I, I have more of a concern about uh, mental and physical energy to uh, run a team and communicate for 200 games. Well, I, I think so. I mean, the physical grind is one I don't know if he's prepared for. I can't tell you about that. Um, I do know that it has taken toll. It's toll on a lot of managers who are years, decades younger than him. Um, there's a reason that guys his age have not been able to do this job, and I think the physical toll is a huge part of it. Um, the the mental part, the 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 ability to run a team and run a game. I think Tony can do that in his sleep. It just he wants to do it his way. Now. He's very inquisitive. I, I know he's kept up with every place that the game has gone since he last set foot in the dugout, but that was almost 10 years ago. And so this is the part that I think I want to see. I'm sure you guys want to see. Um, I think he can do whatever he puts his mind to doing, but this is a tougher job and a different job than it was the last time he did it. It's a challenge for a really good clubhouse and a really um, happy, comfortable bunch of players that I don't think they expected and I think a lot of us um, are, are concerned about. But we know that, that Jerry Reinsdorf is, it, it loves this idea. It, it, have you heard rumblings of any scenario in which the White Sox pull out of this? I, the, the only thing that I can imagine is that Tony himself pulls out of it um, and says, you know what, I've thought about it, it's too distracting, and, you know, or, or, this, I, I, or that kind of thing. I can't imagine the White Sox pulling back at this point. Yeah, Matt, if, if they're thinking about backing out, uh, they haven't communicated that or even hinted at that to anyone that I know. Um, they seem pretty firm that this is the way they're going. Uh, it's what Jerry wants. Who's going to tell him no? So I, I agree with you. Unless Tony's the guy who says, you know what, this, this isn't appropriate. This isn't the right time. I, I think this is going to happen. But let's see where this court case goes. I think depending on how that plays out, you could have some forces at work that might get bigger than everyone. Jason Stark with us here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Um, Jason, we, we hear rumblings of the Nationals maybe being interested in Chris Bryant. That's the right profile for a team. Uh, motivated owners with some dollars who would like to win again. Uh, will there be more than, more than one motivated team going after Chris Bryant, helping the Cubs come up with a trade package when the entire universe knows they're looking to do so? Yeah, now the the Nationals are definitely looking to upgrade at third base, and they're definitely looking for a potential presence in the middle of their order. So I understand the fit for Chris Bryan or Nolan Arenado or anybody who fits that profile. But 
you know, it's, what are we, three weeks in the offseason now? And what's, what's the first big trade? None. That's been one. Um, and I, I don't think that's coincidence. I mean, talking to these front offices right now, this is going to be a tough winner to make a trade. You can, I mean, you can just see it. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of what might be available kind of talk. But I don't know how much action there's going to be because there are going to be so many free agents. The one thing that I think Chris Bryant could offer to a team who still sees him as that guy he was is there are a lot of players on this market. There are a lot of interchangeable pieces on this free agent market. But if you're looking for a difference-making player, you're not going to find that at third base in this market. So if the, if the Nationals were to fall in love with what Chris Bryant has been up until this year, and they could make the, the, the pieces line up, I don't think that's out of the question because that's a team that's really motivated to do that. But there's not a lot of action right now that I'm aware of anywhere else. Jason, in closing with you, uh, and again, Matt and I really appreciate your time and love your work in The Athletic and enjoy the podcast with you and our friend Doug Glanville. Uh, Two of the dumber rules ever in baseball were implemented last year. One was the man (laughs) at second base. The other was pitchers have to pitch uh, to three batters or till an inning ends. What's your take on it? I'm just giving you mine. And uh, obviously uh, the man at second base, is so contrary, it's fascist, actually, to anything that uh, happens, in, happens in sports where you, you are automatically given a runner in scoring position that hasn't earned it. It's half-court baseball. Morgan Ensberg told you half-court baseball, Jason. I've been using that all year. To me. I love that quote. And um, I actually, uh, Bruce, I, I started out with you. I came around to the other side, man. And... I think this rule is going to stick around because so many people in the game decided they liked it. And look, there are a lot of ways to look at this, but here, like, here's one of them. Somebody yeah, told saves me, no time, which was number one. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, somebody made this point to me along the way this year that you could make the case that baseball used to have the least interesting overtime in sports. Or you'd have games where for hours and hours, nothing much happened in overtime. And that was not the case this year. With this rule, you had a run scored 57% of all extra half innings. And it used to be 27%. And I, I recognize that it's like a lot of weird stuff happened because that ghost runner was on second base. I'm actually a fan of the weirdness. But I... I did like the intrigue and the strategy that went with this. It wasn't just bunt them over, get them in. There are a lot of different stuff that teams did in different situations, and I, I thought it was kind of cool. I'm a fan of thinking. Now, the other rule, the three-battle rule, just wrote a big piece about that in the Athletic posted yesterday. And, you know, what I tried to do was take a look inside what baseball was trying to accomplish versus what actually happened. And what were the two main things you think they were trying to accomplish? One, move the games along. Two, minimize mid-inning pitching changes. Guess what actually happened? The games took longer 
Mm-hmm. And there were more mid-inning pitching changes than last year. So it makes you wonder, maybe there's some other way to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish besides this rule, because the managers totally hate it. A seven-inning games would be nice. And, you know, we already saw that in doubleheaders, and uh, I'm all for it. Attention span of uh, this era of baseball fans is uh, so limited that you do have to fit it in two and a half hours. So seven-inning games and uh, six-inning doubleheaders, you know, th- that's fine with me. You know, that's, really? that's where we're at. That's where we are in, in this world, and give people what they want. I always insist upon that. <laughs> okay, but all right, so – a runner on second and all the strategy that goes with that, that's not baseball. But just lopping two innings off the game so that you can no longer compare We've already done the, it. the records we, of today with the records of yesterday. Jason, we, we already did it. It's double headers last year. They were seven innings, okay? Everybody marveled. Hey, you got 14 innings in within uh, five hours. Mission accomplished. Jason, we, we have to, we're up, up against the clock. We appreciate your time and expertise so much. Keep up the great work at The Athletic. Also, the, that great podcast you do with Doug Landville called Starkville. It's outstanding. Thanks again for joining us today. Hey, I enjoyed it, man. Have a great Thanksgiving, okay? Next Thank year you. in the Bard's Room, if it existed. Or, yeah, right? Yeah. right, or the we Wrigley uh, lunch, lunch table. This was good stuff. Thanks, Jason. We are up against it, Matt. So uh, we will be talking to A.J. Pruszynski next. It's 670 The Score inside the clubhouse. We'll be back. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.